On today's episode, we have author and leadership expert Richard Haddon. Together, we discuss the influence employee engagement has on profits and also explore the effects on customer experience. If you enjoy this content, then be sure to go to acftechnologies.com forward slash podcast and subscribe to our podcast mailing list to receive regular updates. And I will see you in seven and a half seconds. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Customer Experience Conversations. We have a great guest for you here today, guys. Simon and I are joined by Richard Haddon. Richard is the co-author of the Contented Cows book series. He is a speaker, an entrepreneur, a coach as well. Richard has helped many organizations attract and retain top talent and customers with a, with a focus specifically on people practices and profit performance across automotive, healthcare, and banking. How are you doing today, Richard? I'm doing great. Thank you, Louis. Great. And how has this COVID situation been for you? Uh, yeah, we're doing doing fine with it. Um, just trying to to stay indoors as much as possible, and uh, looking forward to when it's going to be safe enough to have everything lifted. Yeah, we're in exactly the same position over here in the UK. Really can't wait for some sort of sense of normality to return again. How about you, Simon? Yeah, in exactly the same position. Yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting times at the moment, isn't it? Wondering what we're doing at the moment becomes the norm afterwards so uh yeah now everything's good though here any more crazy haircuts uh yeah i have actually funny you say that last night uh, stage two occurred <laughs> so, so richard for your benefit yeah a few weeks ago obviously you're seeing people having their hair cut by family members and yes. successes and failures everywhere so they cut my hair my daughter's got cut my hair a few weeks back and then dyed it it kind of went a bit of a strange ginger and, and i'm now shiny white hair i look a little bit like uh, eminem today <laughs> what i'll do simon is uh leave a picture of your haircut on the podcast artwork for our listeners to see <laughs> I, I think you should because each podcast i think i might change the color of it for the next few weeks a month while we're in <laughs> lockdown so well, just just on the side note when we started doing it i thought it was a good time to do it because I'm not out meeting customers face to face, you know, it's quite a safe moment to look silly. But I'm doing more video conferencing calls than ever. And and the done thing now is to have your video on. So I'm oh, yeah. I'm suffering the pain of, of of being made fun of. But it's it's good. It's worth it. So Yeah, and we've uh, just started doing webinars, haven't we, Simon? So great timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't planning on webinars kicking off so kind of so uh, so frequently. Yeah, at least it's something funny to talk about, right? <laughs> so I'm going to kick things off with a question for you, Richard. Now, I've heard you speak about this question before, but for the benefit of Simon and our listeners, regarding the title of your book, Contented Cows Give Better Milk. So are you, are you trying to say that customers and employees, they should be uh, treated like livestock? No, in fact, we're not. We uh, we make we go to great lengths at the beginning of the book to say that we are not comparing or saying that people, uh, whether they're customers or employees, should be compared to cows. But the metaphor is uh, pretty accurate in in some ways, and that is just as farmers know that contented cows do give better milk, and that's pretty well established science. Um, 
satisfied customers, satisfied employees, engaged employees give better performances and are more profitable that way. So uh, we have used the the phrase that is sometimes branded on Nestle's uh, Carnation milk cans here in the U.S. Uh, anyway, where it says that their milk comes from contented cows, and we have. Uh, we have the express written consent of the Nestle Corporation to, to use that phrase in this way. So we're simply making the, the point, and, and hopefully in kind of a fun way, certainly not in a way to indicate that people look like cows or act like cows or smell like cows or anything like that, but to say that, yeah, you take care of your cows, they'll, they'll, produce, they'll produce better. You take care of your employees, they'll produce better for your customers and for your shareholders. Yeah, perfect. So on that topic of looking after your workforce, there's another quote that I know you like talking about, and it's from Andrew Carnegie. Yes. Take away my factories, and I will build a new and better one. Although take away my people, and grass will grow on the factory floor. So what exactly does that quote mean to you? Well, when you think about it, Andrew Carnegie, although he was a philanthropist, uh, he was he was a business guy. You know, uh, came from Scotland to the U.S. and and really built an incredible business and was kind of the Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos of his day in terms of his wealth. Um, and yet here he was saying, "Take away my people, uh, and and grass will grow on the factory floor." You know, I can build a new factory anytime, but it's the people who really make this happen. And when you think about it, this guy was a capitalist with a capital C. Um, it, it, this was not the HR guy who was going on about, you know, let, let's, let's take care of people, all touchy-feely kind of things like that. He recognized the value of people to his steel business. And I think it serves as a good example for others. And this is why Bill Catlett and I wrote the book, Contented Cows Give Better Milk and, and the sequels and so forth, is to say, you know, there's a real connection between a strategy around employee engagement and your customer results and therefore your financial outcomes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's, that's very true. I see a lot of content and information about different companies and their, and their marketing strategies. I also see a lot of content about their technology strategies, their digital transformation strategies, but I don't often see a lot of information about an organization's people strategy. And you, you would probably argue that that is more important than anything else, right? Well, I think so, because that's, that's really where it begins, is with the people. Uh, I certainly recognize the value of all of those strategies and, and think that business does best when it is run in a strategic way. But the marketing strategy, the technology strategy, the product strategy, all of those strategies must be consistent with the people strategy, because it is the people who have to execute those other strategies. That's quite interesting because there's a few companies out there that, that are bucking that trend. We talk a lot ourselves um, around physical um, interactions with customers. And as you say, that, that real motivation of staff to get them on board with, with the message that you're, you're, you're trying to get across to your customers. But there's a few companies out there that seem to buck that trend. You know, um, Monzo, kind of purely digital banks where you don't interact with people. And I, and I kind of find that interesting. What do you think about that? I, I see those banks being used for kind of low value transactions where you don't need to interact. But what, do you th what effect do you think that will have on that kind of employee discussion that we're having? 
Well, I think it does have an effect. Uh, and I think you have to look at, you know, does the business differentiate itself based on things that can be controlled by people or does it differentiate itself by other things such as convenience, such as technology? And I think there is certainly a place for organizations like that, like Monzo, like, like others um, that have little, um, uh, just the way that they're designed. I, I sometimes, uh, sometimes liken it to, to an automated car wash. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of people working in an automated car wash. It, it is a piece of technology that washes your car. But uh, the same thing with something like Monzo. But if you think about all of the other businesses that still do um, require uh, that experience coming from uh, from the employees that create that customer experience. And just as you said with Monzo, yeah, it, it is purely transactional. And it performs its function in that way very well. But think about all of the other kinds of services and values that we receive from other organizations where um, it can be transactional or it can truly be an experience. And to the degree that the value in your organization relies on the customer experience, then you're still going to be highly reliant on the people part of that experience coming from the employees. And by looking after those people, by looking after those employees, in turn, they're going to really look after your customers and create amazing customer experiences, would you say? Well, exactly. And, you know, people say, well, of course, that sounds obvious. But look, <laughs> it's funny the, the number of examples you can point to where that's not the case. I mean, we all know it makes sense. Take care of your employees. They'll take care of your customers. But there are a lot of organizations that seem to have forgotten that or they just don't feel that uh, that, that connection is strong enough or that it's worth it. Yeah, there are, there are definitely organizations that don't have that mentality in, embedded into their organization. You know, they don't, they don't look after their employees. However, there, there are definitely organizations doing that really well. And that actually reminds me of a, something else you've spoken about before. And it was a story that I really liked, and it was about a pilot. Sure, if you'd like to, if you'd like to share it, that'd yeah. be amazing. Well, I, I, uh, before COVID nineteen, I used to fly an awful lot, just about every week, in fact. And one of my favorite airlines is uh, is Southwest Airlines uh, here in the U.S. Uh, most folks in in the U.K. and Europe may not be familiar with Southwest because they operate only within the U.S. But they're kind of legendary in terms of their customer experience and. Interestingly enough, and some people think there's a correlation, I do. Uh, others say it's coincidence, but they are the most profitable airline in the United States and have been for more than 45 years consistently. And they really do provide a very different customer experience, even from some of the other, you know, well-regarded uh, airlines. So one time I was on a, a Southwest flight and I noticed there was there was a flight attendant, a male flight attendant. And he, he I would say he was middle aged, you know, probably late 40s, early 50s. And um, he appeared to be in training uh, as a flight attendant. He was he was, you know, passing out the the snacks and so forth. And others were kind of guiding him on what to do. And so it was a long flight. And I started I just started chatting with him as he was standing in the aisle uh, at one point in the flight. And I said, because I like to talk to people who work for companies known as great places to work. And I said, so do you, do you, do you like working for Southwest? And he very enthusiastically said, oh, I love it. And I said, great. I said, um, how long have you been here? And he said, 17 years. 
And my first thought was nice guy, but slow learner. If he's, if he's, you know, still being trained on how to pass out the peanuts. Um, and I, I said, really? I said, as a flight attendant, huh? And he said, um, he said, I'm not a flight attendant. He said, I'm a pilot. I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, we come back here twice a year regularly, every pilot to work with the people who really keep this plane in the air. Those were his words. And I thought, you know, that, that's a great way for them to make sure that the pilots uh, have the same, at least for two days a year, have the, the, the same experience as their passengers do and as their flight attendants do. And that is all, I think it just says how all of those jobs are integrated and they recognize that and they take specific steps to make sure that the pilots have that flight attendant perspective. Now, unfortunately, they can't do it the other way around, but they can at least do that. Mm, I, I love that story. That that makes perfect sense to me, you know, having that kind of uh, exposure to all parts of a business to really make employees feel integrated to every part and how every every cog works. Why do you think some companies get it wrong? Because it sounds like common sense, doesn't it? Well, it does. I think certainly uh, in in the U.S. and and it's not only in the U.S. but certainly in the U.S. There's so much um, so much homage that has to be paid to uh, to the shareholders of a public company. We see a great deal of difference when it's a publicly held company versus one that's privately held and therefore has a little bit more autonomy in terms of their operations and and procedures and so forth. But there are clearly a lot of publicly held organizations that have managed to convince their shareholders that treating your employees well equates to treating your customers well, and that is the best way to grow your profits as a shareholder. But many companies, uh, they just, you know, the, this, this mad short-term dash to uh, enrich the, uh, the bottom line uh, in the short term at the expense of the long term. And so the research that we did uh, in, our, in, in our books uh, has been uh, consistently looking at organizations that have a strategy around employee engagement leading to better customer experience. And we can see without any exceptions that those companies uh, that, are, uh, that, that pay a lot of attention to that strategy simply have better results on the bottom line. So they are at the same time um, meeting the needs and the goals of their shareholders as well as their customers and their employees all simultaneously. That's really interesting, Richard. What, what examples have you got of organizations that are maximizing their employee engagement effectively, thus improving their customers' experiences and therefore profits? Well, one of the first uh, in, in our first book, which is now more than 20 years old, we looked at companies like FedEx, uh, 3M, uh, companies like that. Uh, in our more recent iteration, we've looked at companies like Google, uh, like there, like there is a um, there's a supermarket chain in the U.S. primarily in the Southeast, but it's quite large. It's called Publix, P-U-B-L-I-X. Um, we've uh, also looked at uh, Marriott hotels. And companies like that, that, you know, it's just unmistakable when you look at their profit and then you look at how in, in regular times, how they have treated uh, their employees. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, during COVID-19 how uh, companies have treated their employees and what happens. And, you know, there's all kinds of things that are beyond uh, companies' control, but 
there are those who are trying to do everything they can to maintain the stability of their employees' employment. And I think that's one thing we're going to certainly be looking at. But there's just there's all kinds of, you know, in, in our books, we looked at publicly held companies so that we would have uh, access to the publicly held uh, information and the data. But there's tons of, of anecdotal information as well. Um, there's a, a fast food chain in the U.S. called Chick-fil-A. It's a privately held company, uh, but it's clearly very, very, very profitable. And it is legendary throughout the U.S. for not only being the best customer experience of any fast food chain in the country, but also at the same time being among the best employee experiences for any quick service restaurant in the country. Yeah, I tried uh, Chick-fil-A when I went out to the States in November and it it was pretty great. Uh, This also reminds me of another thing you've spoken about. Chick-fil-A have got a very interesting mission statement. Uh, It's not really relevant to customer experiences, but it, it kind of is because a company's mission statement, it, it would seep through into the employees' interactions with the customers. Uh, yes, uh, and you may be referring to, to a story that, I, that I've told uh, from the stage before, uh, where I simply, uh, I was doing some training with some of their management folks, and I just said, you know, what, what are the priorities here? What's, what's the mission around here? And, uh, and someone just raised his hand and said, well, if you ask Truett, who was the founder, the, the late Truett Cathy, who was the founder of Chick-fil-A, he said, if you ask him what we do around here, he said, it's very simple. We sell chicken. And, uh, I, you know, I laughed at that because you see so many of the, you know, very elaborate uh, mission statements. So it was funny that very same day when we had that conversation where someone said, if you ask Truett, you know, he'll say what's important around here. Our real mission is we sell chicken. Uh, we happened, I happened to get on the elevator, on the lift with some some people uh, in the in the company. And lo and behold, there was the the grand and glorious uh, CEO and founder, Truett Cathy, standing in the elevator when we came in. And he, he looked at us all and he knew everyone in the group except me. And he looked at him and in his, his good old Southern U.S. drawl, he said, well, boys, what y'all? And they were all guys. He said, well, boys, what y'all doing? And every one of them looked at him and in unison, they said, Truett, we are selling chicken. And you should have seen the beam on the man's face. He just glowed because he knew, you know, it's not complicated around here. And as a leader, he had made that that message very clear. Here's what we do. We sell chicken. You know, yeah, we, we do it in a way that uh, creates a great customer experience, not only in terms of the product, but the service. And I mean, you, you can't you cannot go to a Chick-fil-A in the United States without standing in a long queue or sitting in your car in a long queue, uh, especially at lunchtime, because they just are very, very, very popular. That's, that, that's, that's the perfect measurement for me yeah. when looking for food. If there's a long queue, then yeah. I'll, I'll just join the back because it just looks interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've spoken a bit about here, um, companies that are doing it well. There must be something that you see regularly when you look at companies that, that where companies are doing the same thing wrong, what's the most frequent issue that you that you see that annoys you the most when when we're talking about customer experience? I think it is failure to recognize the critical importance of the individual leader for employees. And I see people, I see organizations all the time who promote people from first line, uh, front line operational positions into management positions without 
any regard to that person's ability to lead others to perform in a way that will be profitable for the organization. And so and we see it all the time. It happens in the UK. It happens in the US. Somebody's a very good accountant. We make them an accounting manager. Somebody's a good nurse. We make them a good nurse. We make them a, a nurse manager. And, and there simply is no correlation between operational skill and leadership ability. And so that's the thing that annoys me the most, because then we have people who are in management positions, but they don't have yet the skills, in some cases, not the inclination to be a good leader. When you have an organization that is strategic about this, and, and the, then they will say, look, if you're going to be somebody's boss, if you're going to be somebody's manager, if you're going to be someone's supervisor or team leader, we are going to insist that you also in addition to your operational technical discipline skills, whatever those might be, that you also have excellent leadership skills because then we know that you can cast a vision, you can motivate people, and you can get people to perform in ways that your customers will appreciate. Mm. That's probably the biggest thing that I see is, is this total disregard and failure to appreciate the importance of the leader in the employee experience and therefore the customer experience. I, I think I see that a lot as well myself, you know, people being promoted into positions due to length of service as, as opposed to actual kind of ability or training to fulfill that role in the way that you mentioned. So how would you see, how would you see organizations then um, set up some kind of communication channel? Because obviously some of these employees don't get to see, you know, the impact that what they're doing has on the end user. How would you how would you set that up? Well, I, I had an interesting experience a few years ago where I really saw this demonstrated in a very clear and compelling way. I was uh, doing some consulting in um, a factory that makes hospital products, um, the bag and tube assemblies that are generally used for the delivery of intravenous solutions, medication, water, things like that. And these people were, you know, they were putting these things together, plastic components, assembling them and so forth. And everything, they were very demotivated. Uh, it was a really dispirited workforce. Uh, we were brought in uh, to try to get to the bottom of this because they were also losing money uh, hand over fist. And so uh, I, the first thing I did was to interview them. And I said, tell me what you do in your job. And these factory workers all described their work in terms of assembling plastic components. And I thought, well, I, I, would, I couldn't get up in the morning and get excited about going to assemble plastic components. And so I thought, that's not what they do. So we put them on a big school bus and we took them to the closest hospital about 10 miles away. And there, for the first time in their careers, they saw patients who had the very products that they had made in their arms, delivering life-saving medication, relieving unbearable pain, wow. and things like that. And they came back and they said, now we know what we do. And that, that changed everything in terms of their perspective. And so I strongly advocate that leaders should try to make sure that everybody really fully appreciates the impact of their work on the customer. And there are a lot of ways to do that. It's harder for someone who works in a back office. It's harder for someone who works in a, in a factory, perhaps. And it's easier for someone who works on the front line, perhaps with retail customers. But there are all kinds of ways that you can do that. And just one example that, that I have become aware of just in the last few weeks during the COVID-19 lockdowns uh, is a manufacturing company that I had worked with in the state of Ohio. 
They are not manufacturing at the moment because they are not permitted to have enough people uh, in the plant to operate the plant. So they've done two things. They have asked people to come in eight at a time to do some extra cleaning and maintenance in the uh, in the factory. And they're also and they're also paying all of their people full wages all of the time. But then they are also creating video conferences through Zoom with between their factory workers and the customers who use their products and letting them tell them how they use it, what they use it for, and uh, things like that. And this company happens to be a company that makes precision scales. And one of the applications of these scales has been to weigh the, uh, the chemicals and medications used in the COVID-19 tests. And so these people have been able to find out that what they do on a daily basis has helped contribute to the additional testing that has happened throughout COVID-19. Yeah, there's a ton of digital transformation and disruption going on at that moment. I was looking at a statistic just the other day about Zoom and video calls, and they, they went from, you know, pre-COVID-19, which was just a few million of users, now during COVID-19, 30 to 40 million users, and that's just such a large amount of growth in such a short period of time. What would be really interesting to see is over a long period of time, you know, like two, three years from now, what do you see the future of employee and customer engagement looking like? Well, I think from the employee, uh, from the employee engagement standpoint, what we're seeing, we're seeing it already uh, and have seen it for a few years. It's only going to continue and grow. And that is a, a different relationship between the employee and the organization. We already see that people don't have the same, even if they are full-fledged employees of an organization, many people don't have the same kind of emotional connection that they once had with their organization. But then we also see the, the advent of the gig workers and, and more contract workers and people who are doing kind of their own thing. And they simply have less of an affinity, less of an allegiance to that organization. But they continue to have a strong allegiance to the individual leader who is responsible for motivating them, for, uh, for managing their work and, and their time and their career and things like that. So I think we're going to see an increased importance on the uh, relationship between the leader and the employee in order to bring about those, um, those kinds of results for your customers. Going into the next two to five years in terms of customers, uh, I think we're going to see more of like what you spoke about with, with Monzo. Where there are going to be all kinds of organizations trying to set up uh, a model that is less labor uh, intensive, but there will be many things that will not be able to be you know put into that form. And I think people will always crave having that, that experience. That is the one thing that um, that distinguishes an organization from many of its competitors. It's probably not the product, but it is the experience that is wrapped around the product. That can only be delivered by the person who creates that experience. Indeed, that is the interesting thing we're seeing about the shift in the banking industry at the moment. So many of these organizations are starting to market their non-financial dimensions of their services. For example, Metro Bank are pushing themselves forward as the face-to-face -face bankers. Yeah. They have decided just to let Monzo get on with their niche and they will address their own. Mm -hmm. And in doing this, yeah, 
some of the high street branches might still close, mm-hmm. but the branches that are still open are becoming hotspots for face-to-face, people-driven events and experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think there will always be people who like that kind of experience. There will always be a market for those who don't necessarily need or value that, but I think there will always be those who do, and that's who they're catering to. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. I just want to say thank you very much for joining us today, Richard. It's really been a pleasure chatting to you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Great. And if you have found this conversation interesting, then be sure to check out Rich's website. It's contentedcows.com and check out his his books. He's also got a leadership series, which complements the Contented Cows book series quite nicely. Uh, is there any other upcoming projects that you would like to promote, Richard? Uh, well, we, we are also doing, uh, we're beginning to do more uh, online webinars uh, that, uh, in fact, we're doing one next, next week, uh, but we will continue to be doing that. So just continue to look at contentedcows.com. I emphasize the S on the end because there, there is a website called contentedcow.com and it's for a pub. So you don't want to go to that, but go to contentedcows.com and you'll always see announcements there for any of the online leadership programs that, that we have. Great. And thanks for joining us also, Simon. Yeah. Thanks very much. It's been good. Very interesting. Okay. Thank you very much. 